song is a is an incredible reminder that God there's nothing he won't do in his pursuit for us and I'm reminded it's not just a one-time thing where he did the did it once on the cross and, and he's done with us but it's a continual pursuit and so here I hold uh, in my hand some prayer requests that folks have made as you walked in you might have seen a bunch of different names on the cross out there in the foyer and what we're doing is we're writing the names of folks that we know and that we care about and we're putting their first names on the cross and we're gonna pray for them over the next few months because the same way God is pursuing us he's also pursuing them and so we're gonna have hundreds of people praying for hundreds of people and so we're gonna lift up our prayer needs and and the, the names on the cross let's pray father we're reminded God that there's nothing you won't do in your pursuit for us that you love us and you care about us I lift up the needs on these cards and the needs in this church the needs of those joining us online father we we lift up every need we know that you are more than enough I also lift up the names of every person on that cross I pray God that you would intervene in their lives that you would wrap your arms around around them and let them know that you love them and that you care about them you've got a plan for them that you're not angry with them you haven't turned your back on them but you're desperately in love with them and pursuing them I pray that they would somehow some way come to the foot of the cross we trust you and we love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Before we uh, get going, Diane and I went and watched um, a movie this week called, called The Jesus Revolution. And basically it's a historical account of a revival that hit the United States about 50 years ago. And it was a bunch of hippies. It was like a, a hippie revival. And the, the, the ripples of that still are, are resonating throughout the, the United States. A lot of churches, over a thousand churches came out of that. Um, the, the effects of that are felt even in this church and, and what we do and how we do it. Uh, my dad was actually, he came to be a follower of Christ at the tail end of the Jesus movement. And so um, it's called the Jesus Revolution. I would Strongly recommend you go see it. It's a great movie. And um, as da but, but Dan, as we're watching it, we're watching what God is doing. And it occurred to me, uh, God is doing that kind of stuff at Mosaic Church right now. And so we are in the middle of a move of God. I'm very thankful for that. And uh, so anyway, go, go check it out. Go, go watch it. Now, we're in this, this series, Famous Last Words. And um, it's a pretty heavy series because we're looking at the last things that Jesus said on the cross. There were a, a number of things that Jesus said. And so today I want to talk to the person either here or joining us online who feels like they've been let down by God. Like you ask God to do something and, and he hasn't done it or he didn't do it and it's already passed. Or, or maybe you've said the words, why God, why? Why did you do this? Or why didn't you do this? Or, or what, what, what's the plan here? I don't understand. Now before we really get into that, I think there are three basic sources uh, for trouble in our lives. And there are more than these three, but these are, to me, the kind of the primary three. The first one is the enemy. Uh, Ephesians tells us that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. So it's not against other people. It's not against your boss. It's not against your employees. It's not against your mother-in-law. Hers might be against you, but yours is not against her, all right? But against the rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. So uh, Ephesians, Paul is telling us in Ephesians that 
there really is a fight going on in the spiritual world. You're a part of it, whether you like it or not, and it's against the enemy. But sometimes I think we give the enemy too much credit for what's happening in the world. Like I, I, I've shared this story before. There was a, this lady told me one time, Pastor, pray for my dryer because the, the devil is attacking my dryer. And I, I said, okay, so there's revival breaking out all over the world. I mean, God is doing, you know, the, the church in China, the underground church in China is flourishing, and there's war in Ukraine and war in other places in the world. There's famines. But the devil, who cannot be everywhere all the time, only God can, he's, he's one person and can be in one place at one time, and so he's chosen to come to Greeley, Colorado, to attack your dryer, your 17-year-old dryer that you bought at a garage sale. The devil is a... T- so sometimes I think we give him a little too much credit for what's going on. The, the second source of our trouble, and this is not very popular, but sometimes it's our own poor choices. Sometimes we are reaping the harvest of the poor seeds we have sown. So I read this story this week, and it was an emergency room doctor shared it. He said a guy came in uh, to the ER after being in a car accident, and he had burns all around his neck. And so the, the doctor, uh, he asked the wife, what happened? I've never seen this before. Now, these guys are in Kentucky, okay? That's an important detail, all right? Kentucky, okay? So he says, the guy says, well, we bought one of those zapping dog collars, and we're on the front porch, and I, I asked my wife, I wonder how far the remote works. Here's what we're going to do. He put the dog collar on. I was going to make this a bancho joke, but it's a true story. So, so he puts it on, and he says, I'm going to drive my truck over the hill. And I, when I honk my horn, I want you to, to hit it, and let's just see if it works. So sure enough, he gets in his truck. He drives over the hill where she can't see him anymore. He honks his horn. Now, he was still driving slowly. He didn't stop, okay? So he's, he honks his horn. She hits it. That blast hit him so hard, he almost fainted. He swerved and went into the other lane of traffic. When he did that, the other car honked at him. His wife heard it, thought it didn't work, so she hit him again, all right? The second blast sent him in the other direction, goes over the other side of the road. Another car honks. She hit my boy a third time, all right? Then he crashed his truck. (laughs) Some of the problems and trouble we have in our lives are a result of our own poor choices, all right? And I bet some of you are thinking of someone, you're like, yep, that's, yeah. And then the third source of trouble is this broken world. So God created a perfect, a, a perfect world, unspoiled, put Adam and Eve in that space, and this is what happened. It says, for the creation was subjected to frustration. In other words, this beautiful, perfect creation was ruined, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, by Adam and Eve who spoiled and ruined it. So the world is perfect, then Adam and Eve sinned, and the Bible says that actually thorns, like stickers, who's ever stepped on a sticker barefoot? Oh, who's ever stepped on a Lego? Ah, anyway, stickers are a result of the fall. Mosquitoes are a result of the fall, right? So the world is perfect, Then they sin, and now we have stickers and thorns, and we have sickness and disease and guacamole. We have all of those things 
because, because the world is now spoiled and broken. And when a, when a, world, when a person gets sick, I don't give the enemy that much, that much credit. And it generally wasn't their own poor choices, but it's just a result of the broken world. That's not very comforting, but it's, it's the truth. It's really not anyone's fault, but inevitably still people are asking, why, God, why? This week I'm performing three funerals, 38 years old, 25 years old, and 19 years old. And at those funerals, there are going to be hundreds of people asking this question, why, God, why? Why did this happen? Why didn't you do something? Why did you do something? Why did you do this? So with that in mind, that why, God, why, let's look now at Jesus on the cross. Matthew 27, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. They're mocking him. They're being sarcastic. Let him come down from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. It's interesting that the thing that they're mocking and making fun of is the fact that Jesus trusts in God. If people are going to say anything about you, and let me tell you, they are going to say something, right? People can't help but talking. Your haters, they're just going to hate. That's just what haters do. And if they're going to talk anyway, let them talk about this. She trusts in God. Let them talk about he trusts in God. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lima sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So the Bible doesn't tell us exactly how the land became dark, but we know why. The Bible tells us that Jesus became sin. We'll talk about that more in a minute. And so, because Jesus became sin, he took on that sinful condition. His Father, who was perfectly holy, had to turn away from him. And when God withdrew or turned his face away from, from Jesus, darkness came over all the land. The whole world became dark. And there's probably not a person in this room who has not felt that darkness or said, God, why? Why has this happened? Why, why did this thing happen? Why do good people die so young? Why do, God, you answer some prayers and not others? Why do some people pray to get married, but they go to bed alone, but people who get married and promise to love each other end up destroying each other? Why does that happen? Why are there people who would make great parents, can't have any kids, but then there's people who have no business having kids, have too many kids? God, why does it seem like things are not fair or just right. So I heard a guy, I uh, thought it was kind of funny the way he said it. He basically was saying, why is my life so empty? Maybe you've thought that. Why? There's got to be more than this. There's, why, why is it? And this is how he said it. He says, why do I wake up every day in the same old bed, walk into the same old kitchen, eat the same old breakfast, read the same old paper, drink the same old cup of coffee, kiss the same old woman? I didn't write this, okay? So someone else wrote this. Get in the same old car, drive the same old way, do the same old job, see the same old people, work for the same old boss, hear the same old jokes, laugh at the same old way, 
get the same old paycheck, get back in the same old car, drive the same old way back home, go drive back to the same old house, walk in the same old garage, come into the same old kitchen, sit down at the same old table, eat the same old kind of dinner, walk into the same old living room, sit down in the same old chair, watch the same old TV, fall asleep watching the same old TV, get up out of that same old chair, walk into the same old bedroom, look at the same old wife, ask her the same old question, get the same old answer. Some of you will get that later. Go to sleep in the... Now you're get. Oh, <laughs> that's... Yeah, okay. Go to sleep in the same old bed, wake up the same old way, the same old next day, and do the same old thing. Why... There's got to be more to life than this. Maybe that's what you've asked. And our problem is when we're looking at this kind of stuff, we only can see from a very limited point of view. Our perspective is very limited. So in the movie The Shack, the main character, his name is Mac, and he, he experiences a parent's worst nightmare. His daughter, his little girl, is murdered. It's a terrible story, but it's, it's not a true story. It's a, it's a fictional uh, book fictional movie, and he gets an invitation from God to meet him at this shack and talk about what's going on because he's very angry at God. So Mac shows up, and he meets God, and he meets uh, this character. Uh, her name's Saru, which she's like the Holy Spirit. She represents the Holy Spirit. And they go into this garden, and they're walking through this garden, and it's completely overgrown, and, and there's weeds everywhere, and some of the plants are poisonous, and, and it just looks like a big, chaotic mess. And they start working on this little garden, and they're not making much headway, but they work for a few hours. And then the, the, the Holy Spirit, she says, Mac, this, this garden is your life. And I want you to pay, we're going to watch this short clip from the movie. I want you to pay attention to the last image when they zoom out what that garden looks like. What do you think? It's still a mess. <laughs> yes, it is, Mac. Wild, wonderful, and perfectly in process. This mess is you. When he's, when he's right up in the middle of it, when he's right up close to it, everything looks like a chaotic mess. But as you zoom out, you see that there's actually a plan and a design, and things are working together to make something beautiful. Another way I think of it is, imagine you were this little tiny ant person that could get inside of an old watch. And as soon as you walked in, it seems like everything's banging up against each other and things are smashing and hitting and the walls are moving and it's absolutely chaotic. But if you zoomed out, you would see that it's really gears on a watch that are moving in unison to do something incredible. And that's what's happening in our lives. That even though in the moment it feels chaotic and it looks like a complete mess, look at what Romans says will ultimately happen. And we know that in all things, everybody say the word all. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his 
purpose. Someday, I believe and it, that you're going to see the good. Someday you'll see the good in what's happening in your life right now. Now, I tell you, it might be a long time before you see that good. You might be in eternity looking back, standing with Jesus in a thousand years, and you look back and you'll see the good that came from what's happening right now. But I know sometimes we're just too close to it. It's too hard to see. But the Bible doesn't say that. We know that in some things God works for the good of those who love him or in a few things. Or we know that God works for the good of those who love him and it's really everyone else but us. But no, it says that God works for the good of those who love him. And Diana and I, I, I really believe that someday we'll stand in heaven in eternity and we're going to look at everything that God did and everything that God didn't do. And we're going to say, now from this perspective, I see he acted perfectly. But in the moment, man, it's hard because we're in it and it's a mess. And Diane and I have been in both sides. We've seen both sides. Uh, several years ago, when she was pregnant with our son, Josiah, uh, she was about four months pregnant. The doctors told us, your son, has, he's sick. And when he's born, he's probably going to be born He'll be uh, blind, he'll be deaf, he'll be mentally handicapped, he probably won't have any feet, he'll never uh, take care of himself, never go to the bathroom, never eat uh, like everybody else, he's, he's, he's going to be, uh, he might, he's probably not even going to survive his birth. The doctor said, you should probably ab- terminate the pregnancy and, and abort. And we, we said, no. And so what we did is we prayed, and we asked God, and we begged God, we said, God, we need you to do something. We know you can. And God did the thing. Because that's sometimes what prayer is. We're asking God to do the thing. Whatever the thing is, fill in the blank. We're asking God to do the thing. And we begged and prayed. And when he was born, he had to have a little bit of, of uh, plastic surgery on his back. But besides that, he was born absolutely perfect. He's never had any ill effects from it. He's, he's absolutely fine. Now, he teaches middle school at Winograd Middle School. He's a father himself, so everything works. You get what I'm saying? Like everything, right? So you got that joke, but you didn't get the other one. <laughs> same old question, same old answer. Okay, anyway, so. so we have seen God do the thing, do the miracle. Our doctor said, as we were, getting, as we were progressing through this, uh, every doctor's appointment would get a little more encouraging, a little more encouraging, and I remember our doctor said, uh, he was not a Christian, he said, what, whatever you're doing is working. And we said, we're praying, man. He goes, well, keep praying because it's working, right? So we've seen God do the thing. And you know, most of you know that uh, I have, we have three kids. But that's actually not true. Diane and I really have four kids. But one of them didn't make it. Her name's Sila. And when, when Diane was pregnant, uh, the doctors told us very, something very similar they said, it's not looking good. We don't know if the baby's going to make it. And you know what we did? We prayed. And we begged God. And we said, God, I know you can do this. I know you're powerful enough. And for whatever reason, God remained silent. He didn't do the thing. And Selah never breathed a breath. She never saw the sun. We never got to meet her. She stepped straight into eternity. And I don't understand why that happened. And I don't understand why that happens to some of us. And some of us get to God to do the thing, and some of us don't. And I'll be completely honest with you. I still have not seen the good part of that. If it was up to me, she'd be here with us right now. But I trust him. 
And I know that someday, I really believe Diane and I someday are going to stand in heaven with her, with the Lord, and say, God, everything you did and everything you didn't do, you did it perfect. And I believe the same thing for you. But it all comes down to one word, trust. And I would invite you to make this a prayer. Lord, I trust you. And here's the thing that I need you to do. And if you do it, I trust you. And if you don't do it, I'm going to trust you. Till the end of my life, I want it to be said like it was said of Jesus. He trusts the Lord. Lord, I trust you. But it's hard when we can only see a little bit or we have, we have this, this kind of skewed perspective. Let me, let me illustrate this. Let me give you an example of this. On the screen are two words. And there's two words up there. And so you just got to, they're not scrambled. It's nothing like that. You just got to separate that word. And some of you, when you look at that, you see nowhere. And some of you see now here. And I want to challenge you and encourage you to look at every situation. And instead of saying, this situation is bad, we have a mess on our hands, God is nowhere to be found. Instead of that, I want to encourage you to say, we have a situation, we have a mess, this is not what I expected, but I trust in faith that God is now here. And everything is going to be okay because he's working all of these things for my good and I trust him. So back to Jesus. He's on the cross. He says one of the saddest sentences ever written. And it's confusing too. Because Martin Luther, the theologian Martin Luther, hundreds of years ago said, how can God forsaken God? It's a, it's a challenging theological uh, thing to think about in this moment, how God is turning his back on God. And I don't understand that. I don't understand how it happened. I don't understand exactly. But, but I do have an idea about why it happened. Second Corinthians says, God made him who had no sin, Jesus, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So on the cross, Jesus became sin. He didn't just carry our sin. He became sin. And the sin he became is the root of every sin that's ever been committed. Selfishness. Selfishness is the root of every other sin. Let me illustrate this. These are the Ten Commandments. And in order to break these commandments and sin, selfishness is involved in every one. Number one and two, you should have no other gods before me. Do not make for yourself any idol. I say... Bible says, I want God to be on the throne of your heart. I say, I'll put whatever I want in number one place. I will put my hobbies, sports, my, my kids, my family. I'll put, and now, God says those things are all fine, but I want to be first. And I say, no, I think I'm going to decide what's first. Number three, do not take the name of the Lord in vain. I'll decide what I do and don't say. I can't control myself. I just say things. They just come out of my mouth. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Angel, you don't understand. See, I grind. I grind every day. I grind 24-7. 
That's the only way you're going to get ahead. Well, the Bible says you really need to take one day every week and, and rest. I can't. I won't. Number five, honor your father and mother. I'm not listening to them. They're stupid, and I'm not going to do anything they say. I'm my own boss. Number six, don't murder. I'm going to kill you. Okay, maybe you're not going to do that. I hope you don't, right? I would imagine, you know, we had, I don't know, three full services today. Someone has committed a murder. I don't know if you've been caught, but someone has. All right. <laughs> but that's not really what we're talking about. Jesus said, if, you're, if you let your anger go on someone, if you just let it out, <coughs> you've, you've killed them in your heart. We've all done that. I, I can't stand this person. I'm angry at this person. I'm not going to forgive this person. That's murder in your heart. Number seven, adult, do not commit adultery. I want this person that I shouldn't have. I'm taking it. Number eight, don't steal. I want something that's mine. Number nine, don't lie. I'm going to manipulate the truth the way I want to. Number 10, don't envy. I refuse to be content. It's all wrapped up in I. It's in selfishness. And on the cross, Jesus became sin for us. He became that grossest part of you, the grossest part of me. The thing, that part of you that you still haven't told anybody about, Jesus became that on the cross. He became murder, became adultery, became lust. He became lying, cheating. Jesus became racism on the cross so that in him we could be forgiven, so we could stand before God. And all we've got to do is accept that gift. During, during communion, it, it, it occurred to me, there's something that I've always wondered about when Jesus uh, is teaching his disciples. He says, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees. He says that, and I've always wondered what that meant. It just occurred to me when Ben was doing the communion. We, we, for communion, we take those little, really dry crackers. You know what I mean? No one's ever said, man, you know what it sounds good right now? Some of those communion crackers from the church. Like, I could go for one of those, right? The reason they're dry is because they don't have any yeast. So they're, they're unle it's unleavened bread. So it's basically more like a cracker than it is bread. Now, if I was... If I was designing the whole communion thing, I would have used some of those Hawaiian rolls. You know what I'm talking about? Like, that's what I would do. But God knew what he was doing. He says, I don't want any of the yeast in the bread. Now, the bread represents the Jesus, right? And he says, I don't want any of the yeast of the Pharisees. In other words, you don't need anything else from anyone else. All you need is Jesus. We don't need anything else. So we're going to pray, and I'm going to pray a very simple prayer of it's a salvation prayer. And all you're doing is you're just going to say, Lord, I surrender. I, I trust you, and I accept the gift that you purchased for me by becoming sin on the cross. I'm going to invite you to pray this out loud. I'm going to invite everyone to pray it out loud so nobody feels embarrassed or, or singled out. Just repeat after me. If you want to pray that prayer, those of you that are joining us online, I'm going to invite you to pray also. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. For every evil thing I've ever done, every evil thing I've ever said, and every person I've ever hurt, today I make you Lord of my life. Thank you for dying for me on the cross. I trust you. 
and help me to walk this new walk. Make me more like you. In your name we pray. Amen. Father, we lift this up all to you. And, and there are people in this room, God, that are asking right now, why? But today we choose to trust you. Today we, we're going to stop saying that God is nowhere and we're going to recognize that God is now here. And we, we place our faith and trust in you knowing that you're going to take and do take all things and work them together for the good of your people. So we trust you to do that in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand and sing this last chorus with us? You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. To angel because it just reminds me that God is here for us he's here for you he's with you whatever you're going through this morning he's in it with you now if you said that prayer for the first time this morning I just want to say welcome we're so excited for you couldn't have made a better decision for your life but if you would do us a favor and scan this QR code and while you're doing that you guys can go ahead and be seated and then when you get get there, you can click on the link that says New Believer, and it's just going to take you to a quick form, because we know that saying that prayer for the first time is just the first step in your walk with Christ, and so um, we want to help you take the next steps, and so we're, we've got a gift that we want to send you, um, but if, you, if this is your first time here, we just want to say welcome. We're so excited that you would join us this morning. If you would also scan that QR code and click on First Time Visitor, uh, we just want to know that you joined us this morning, and so we're just going to send you one email with some information about the church and, and send you a little gift as well. Um, and also, if, if you're ever wondering, like, what's going on at the church or, or what, are, what events are coming up, this QR code can take you to uh, all of the links that get you in the right place. So that's a, it's a great place to go to. Um, but we're just going to continue in that same spirit of worship this morning. We don't have any announcements this morning, so we're just going to continue in that spirit of worship with our offering this morning. And... I, I want to tell you that I love this church. I love this church because you guys are so, so generous. You, everything that goes on here happens because of, because of you, because, whoa, because you've decided to partner with us and make an impact. And, and one of the things that we, one of the areas that you give to is called the Association of Related Churches. If you've ever been to our Good Discover class, you've heard about this. But what they do is they take money from churches who partner with them every week, and they plant new churches all over the country, um, just like Mosaic. And so today, they're actually starting two brand new churches 
across the country. And so as we're praying over this offering, we're going to pray for those churches that are starting today because, because of your giving, churches are starting that people are going to come to and experience the love and the grace of Jesus. And that happens because of what happens right now. It happens because of you all. It's not some denomination. It's not some, some organization that, that, that funds us. It's because of, because of you guys and your hearts for generosity. And so if you're giving this morning, there are several ways you can give. You can see them up on the screen. You can give in person out in the foyer. There's a little black box out there. You can give online. You can give on the Church Center app, or you can text any amount to 84321. Uh, but let's pray over this morning's offering. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for reminding us that you are in this with us, Father. And this morning, we lift up these churches that are starting uh, today, Father. We pray that you would, Holy Spirit, that you would fill their Fill their churches, God. Fill them with your presence. God, I pray that as people come to these new churches, Father, they would experience the love and the grace of your son, Jesus. Father, they would come to know that he died for them. And Father, that you would begin something new in those cities, God. Thank you for using us to be a part of what you're doing, God. I pray over this morning's offering that you would take it, that you would multiply it, that you would continue to make an impact everywhere Mosaic is active, Father. Not just here in Greeley, but around the world. Lord, thank you for all you're doing. Jesus name we pray. Amen. Now one last thing if you're here this morning and you feel like I just you just need some extra prayer we're gonna have a couple folks up here at the front they'd love to pray for you. Uh, But with that guys have a great great week. We love you. We'll see you next Sunday.